Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. A little while and you will see me no longer. A little while and you will see me and I will see you. No, that's not what I said because I wasn't here last week. Um, that is what our Lord says when he says to his, his brothers, his, his followers, on the night when he's about to be handed over to die, he says, your sorrow will not last. You will be sorrowful. The world will have joy, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. And what he's talking about is something they can't quite understand. It's something that we understand in hindsight when we know what happens to Christ after he dies. Because after all, Christ, man, Christ, Christ, now you're going to see it coming. Christ is risen. That's the problem with this stutter. You can kind of see me telegraphing my moves as I jokes get ruined that way. Anyways, um, but you see that we know that Christ does not stay dead. He is the author of life and death cannot contain him. And so in the midst of sadness, it's hard to remember these things. And yet the Lord does what he can, which is everything, in giving us his word to remind us of what he does, what he has promised to do, what he um, will surely bring to completion. And we see that in this world, there's a lot of sorrow, and there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of suffering. And a lot of the sorrow we face does have to do with the world, but a lot of it also has to do with our own sinful flesh, our own desires, that things aren't quite the way we want them to be. And so we complain to God and we say, why did you do this to me? Why did you put me in this body? Why am I suffering with this cancer or this diagnosis? Why am I suffering with these family members or these friends or this job situation or the lack of a job? Why am I suffering in this way if you love me? And yet, as St. Peter says in our text today, he says, beloved, I urge you as, as sojourners and and." As sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you so, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. That it seems like a lot of people in the church are, seem, are paralyzed, for lack of a better term. Most of the time, it seems that a lot of people wonder, what's the point in trying to help people? What's the point in doing good things for somebody else? It's just going to get 
washed away or no one's going to care or it's not going to do much or the world is just so bad, why should I even try? And that is a sorrow that surely comes from the world, but it's something that our sinful flesh definitely wants to hold on to. That God has strengthened his people for doing good works to their household, to those that are near to them, to fellow Christians, so that those who do not know God would look and glorify him when God may great graciously grant them faith. Because it's a sad thing when you look at the polls, I think Pew Research, I believe, I'm not 100% on this, but there's a new category in religious polling. You find out not only that the church and the people that are at that are going to church are shrinking year after year after year. The church seems like it's dying. And not only that, there's a new category of people that when they ask them, what is your religious, um, what is your, uh, what is your religious affiliation? They say, none, right? I don't have one. I don't go to church. It's not just that. It's like maybe I don't, I believe sort of there is a God, but I, I, don't, I don't really have a preference, no personal preference. So there's this new category of nuns, that's N-O-N-E-S, not N-U-N-S, right? That, that those who have no preference for faith are really what St. Peter calls no people that the Gentiles, they are just like Gentiles in that they believe something, but they just don't have a preference, right? They don't really know. They are tossed to and, to and fro on every wind and wave of doctrine. And that St. Peter tells us before our text today, he says, once you were not a people, you were nobody. Once you were nobody, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Once you were in that position, maybe you don't remember it because you were a baby and you were baptized and made God's child as quick as possible, but at one point you were nobody. And without God, you are nobody. And that is a hard pill to swallow sometimes. In our day and age, in the country that we live in, we like to think that, or we like to hear that we're strong enough to make it through. We're capable enough. We're able to do the job that's set before us. But God says something different. We are not capable apart from him. We are not strong apart from him. God's people are strengthened by his grace. He grants his people faith to trust in him that he will do the good work and bring to completion that which he has set to do through you. He will do it all. And he uses you. And this is something that we should keep in mind because God's people are strengthened for good works toward others 
to prepare for when Christ will come back. Not that we have to have so much shown for the time that we've been here, but to say that, Lord, whatever we were given to do, whatever you entrusted us with, we trusted in you. And we did what we were asked to do. We are unworthy servants. But we trusted in you to show us grace. I say all this because oftentimes Christians, especially in our country, have a hard time feeling like they should be set apart. We don't really want to be different. We want to be like everybody else. We want to go to the games. We want to go to the parties. We want to enjoy the jokes. We want to watch the TV shows that everybody else is watching. We want to join in on the conversation. And though when the conversation and the activities become ungodly, we have a hard time and we say, ooh, that's really tough. I mean, I, I think maybe I can keep watching that show even though it's a bit racy and everything will be fine. I, I think I can maybe laugh at that joke a little bit and maybe show a little bit of discomfort in my face to show that, oh, well, maybe that was a little too far, but I'm not going to rock the boat a little bit, right? How often should we actually tell people, hey, you know, that's really not appropriate. <laughs> hey, you know, I, that, I like a laugh like everybody else, but not at someone else's expense, Right? Hey, you know, I, I like to get my mind off of the world, but I'm not going to watch that show. It's just, it's just too much. It, 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 it puts things in a horrible light. It shows too much of certain people and, put, and shows me too much of what they're doing behind closed doors. That uh, That's not really what Christians should really be partaking in. And yet when you say that, you might suffer. You might suffer from someone saying, oh, you're just a bigot. You're a legalist. Oh, you're a prude. Why do we want to hang out with you? And so you may face suffering. You, may, you are going to face the temptation to be shunned. or to, You're going to face the temptation when shunned to go along to get along. And oftentimes we feel too weak to face those challenges. Oftentimes we feel like we're not up to it because... I've been friends with that person for 20 years. I, I, can't, I can't push them away now. Or I can't say these things and hurt their feelings. Maybe they'll never talk to me again. Or the families. Your family, uh, your family member who's not doing the things they ought to do, who doesn't live a godly life, and you want to say something so badly, but you are afraid that They'll never talk to you again, or God forbid, if they're your child, they'll never have you come around your grandchildren. I'm not saying that it's easy to say these things. I'm not saying that it's easy to be a sojourner, to be a stranger in a strange land. But I am saying that the Lord gives you strength. The Lord will see you through. The Lord has given you work to do while it is day, before the night comes when no one can work. And the night is coming, believe it or not. The night is coming when no one can work. And on that day, that night will actually be brightest day because Christ will come back. And it will only be in a short while. In a little while, we will see him. It won't be long. 
So in the midst of the pain and the suffering you may face from having to say something that is uncomfortable, but as a Christian, it's something that you're compelled to say. That in comparison to that short while, that pain doesn't last, but the joy that comes when Christ comes back will last forever. If you feel too, too weak to do any good works, whether you feel that you're not talented in that area, and I know I might be, you're gonna, you're gonna maybe get a little upset with me with this, but you know, the, the, the church in general is getting older. Let's just be honest. Our demographics are not trending younger and younger, they're trending older and older, and so sometimes the complaint can be, I'm just too old to do anything anymore. I cannot do what I used to do. That's fine. That's fine. That's to be expected. No one expects you to jump through hoops when you can barely stand up on a good day. No one's expecting you to set up tables and chairs or drive all over the place when it's too hard to get in the car. But what God does encourage you to do is to pray and to give encouragement to other people that could do what you used to do. To show them how you used to do certain things and say, this is important for the church, this is important for the people, this is important to bring this thing to this person, to show them God's love. I used to do it, I can't do it anymore. You can, God bless you. I'll do the best I can to help you, right? There's always something to do. There's always more to do. and. Seems exhausting. And at the end of the day, we have to look and say, Lord, I've given all that I can. The rest I commend into your hands. And you are able and capable of taking care of what I could not. We do not do this by ourselves, and we do not do this according to our own strength. If you feel too weak to do anything, remember what Isaiah says. And it is a little harsh if you think about it. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him that ha who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings, with wings, excuse me, with wings, they shall mount up with wings, um, with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God will bless you with whatever you set your mind to in faith towards his people, towards your family, towards the ones that you love and that he loves. For it is only a short while until Christ shall come back and we will see him face to face. And on that day, whatever sorrow we had from doing good will be turned into pure joy. We will be rewarded for our faithful efforts. And perhaps we will also see former Gentiles, former nobodies, former no people, 
there with us in paradise with God, who are giving thanks to him for the fact that they were given that good example that you set, that God had strengthened you to do. You never know what it is God might be doing through you. Grant this to us, Lord, and Lord Jesus, come quickly. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord.